everybody and welcome to this episode 2 of The Power Trip It's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets Patreon review of NWA Power That you can find on YouTube and Fight TV I am your host Stephen Wilson And joining me to review episode 7 and 8 of NWA Power Is the explanation mark to this duel <laughs> It's Scott McLeod Scott, how's it going? I'm doing very good. Uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about NWA Power. They've become my favourite weekly wrestling programme out there. Yes, the, probably the most, as we talked about last time, the most easy to digest uh, wrestling show there is out there right now. Uh, before we start on this, we've got to do a bit of housekeeping. Obviously, you are listening to us on our Patreon channel, so thank you for subscribing to that. But we still do have our flagship podcast, which is available every Thursday on any good podcasting site whatever one you may use it includes Anchor, Spotify and iTunes you can also find us but on social media Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Suplex Retweet right? so Scott uh, as I say we're going to talk about episodes 7 and 8 so to kick us off I thought we'd, we'd, we'd address the issue right away it's the elephant in the room it is of course uh, the big controversy that's happened in the last two weeks in NWA is of course if you've been living under a rock and you don't know about it is of course about Jim Cornette mm-hmm. himself so if you aren't aware of what's happening, just to give a brief explanation before we give our thoughts. Uh, episode 7 of NWA Power it started with a match between Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch. Uh, during the recording that went on there, a comment was broadcasted by Jim Comet, who obviously is the secondary commentator on the show, uh, made to compare Trevor Murdoch to something which I will not say on, the, on this uh, recording, but you can find it online. It's everywhere, pretty much. Uh, said comment, uh, people was dubbed, well dubbed it, racial connotations to it, but it did make it on to the episode 7 recording, uh, soon after the episode went out, the episode was again pulled uh, and re-edited to take the comment out, and there was uh, statements put out online by David Lagana and NWA champion himself, Nick Aldis, uh, later on that's uh, same day, pretty much less than 24 hours later, a statement came out from NWA saying that Jim Cornette had parted ways with the promotion, uh, pretty much based off of the comments. Cornette, uh, later that week, came out on his own podcast and said that it's a comment he's made for years. There was no intention of him, any racial thing whatsoever. But he said he did it because it was funny when he did it 30 years ago. It wasn't meant to be racial. It was meant to be about uh, hunger. That was a big thing back then. But he also questioned the fact of that it was a pre-recorded show and he doesn't know if it was that bad at the time of recording, what, why it made it out. If it was so bad, it would have got taken out at the time of editing. Uh, so that's a brief summary on that. Uh, Scott, uh, what's your thoughts on the whole Cornette situation? I immediately regretted my uh, my statement on the last episode where I said that I'm almost finding Cornette tolerable again on commentary. Mm-hmm. And then this comes out. So we're only one episode in and already some of the content is not aging terribly well. But that aside... I think he also shouldn't have said it. Like his his whole defense of well, it wasn't a race joke about race. It's a joke about starvation is probably the worst defense of a joke I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, like say it shouldn't have made air. Like these were taped way back in start of October, and mm-hmm. this is November now. So how nobody was but listened back to it and thought it was worth taking out or somehow slipped by is mm-hmm. just baffling to me. And Nick Aldis made a good point in that this, his views don't reflect that of the NWA 
and it shouldn't take away the fact that he made that comment during what was meant to be a standout match for Trevor Murdoch, mm-hmm. away for Murdoch to prove himself, and he did. But I think unfortunately people are, will remember this match more for the comment made on commentary than the match itself. Yeah, I, my personal belief on this one is I think it's uh, two sides at the blame for us. I, I don't think it's a case of one side did wrong, the other side uh, had no part in it. Cornet, he's well known. He's got a bit of history of speaking of speaking what he thinks. Um, not feared to pretty much say what goes on in his mind, which has got him in trouble on a number of occasions. I mean, there was the one time earlier this year where he had the controversy regarding comments he made about Sonny Kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cornet does have a history, which I kind of mentioned last week. It's based on his history. I don't think it was a good idea for him to be hired by NWA. I can understand why they would have made the decision given how much of a figure he was in the, the 80s and early 90s before he moved to WWE. Uh, but uh, it's, you just can't... You, you, it's like, my, my point I said about this, when this point came out, this episode aired, probably less than a couple of weeks after the controversial things that went on in WWE but, uh, with Jordan Miles or mm-hmm. ACH, as he's going back again now, where that T-shirt came out and he was very vocal. I said, this is, a, this is racial. So... To ha- granted, the comments were probably made before that controversy, but you'd have thought somebody would have had some awareness of it. And it's as you said, it's a pre-recorded show. Mm-hmm. You, you, it should. It's not like it's live. See, when it's live, the full the full blame would go on the person saying it. Yeah, but NWA didn't edit it out. Apparently, according to Cornet, he didn't have MD in his ear telling him don't be saying stuff like that. So we can talk it. We, we all, it's right to point a finger at Jim Cornett, but at the same time, we should also be pointing the finger at the guys doing the editing, the guys backstage. Yeah, because when it's live, like back in the day in the WWE, when someone would say something they thought was a bit over the line, immediately commentary would say, oh, well, we apologise for those comments, and you basically you apologise and lie to you and hope that people can forgive you. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's taken, you don't edit it, it basically comes across as somebody's looked over that and thought it was okay. Which mm-hmm. makes the situation even worse. And uh, I'm curious now, like, obviously, Cornet, this isn't the first time even this year that he's made comments that are a bit online. Like, he had the Sunny Kiss comments, he got into a bit of trouble for some comments he made about Jordan Grace in regards to her appearance. And, like, I'm interested to see who will be the person to step in his place because mm-hmm. the only person I can think was that guy, Dave Marquez, who does the interviews, might step in to do commentaries as well. But I'm thinking he and uh, Joe Galley played too similar a role because mm-hmm. you had Joe Galley as the kind of play-by-play guy, and Cornette was basically the guy there to bounce off him as the guy who has got the all these years of experience in wrestling. Mm-hmm. So you gotta wonder like they were two different types of like commentators. You need to find somebody who can properly like fill that role of Jim Cornette. You kind of think uh, you're instantly kind of drawn to guys who are associated with the NWA, but the problem they've kind of got is a lot. Of, there's a lot of names who are known. For their work in NWA, who are currently employed in some manner with AEW, yeah. guys like Arn Anderson and of course Tully Blanchard, they're two names that spring to mind to a lot in the NWA, and they're pretty much a part of that setup at All Elite mm-hmm. Wrestling. So it is a big question, but it's, probably, yeah. it's one we'll probably find out at the pay per view because of Cornette is part of the the next tapings up till the pay per view are the ones they recorded in those two days, weren't they? Yeah, because the next episodes will have been recorded at the same tapings that this film was made, so I think we've got two more episodes with Cornette in, and they can also put a disclaimer, these episodes were recorded prior to these comments, and then mm-hmm. Into the Fire we'll hear 
the first going to because episode eight, like you said, was kind of a weird one where it was more of a filler episode. Mm-hmm. And I assume, like, because Mr. Anderson said nine episodes were taped at that initial two nights. Mm-hmm. So I think they realised that with the episodes they had, they would have probably they had the, they'd have one week where they couldn't put an episode out. So I think this is kind of a thrown together thing. I think this is. Uh, I read about it as the episode eight reason that went the format the way it was is because it was uh, it's holiday weekend. It's Thanksgiving week, sorry. Yeah. Uh, in America, so I, there's a, a lot of TV competing with it, like specials and that type of stuff. I don't think they wanted to take the chance. Mm-hmm. And go up against anything like that at all, but as you say, the probably the the, the only interesting part probably from it is obviously who's going to replace Connor. But it's a, as you mentioned earlier on, Scott, it's a shame because it was a decent episode of a, a NW Power episode seven, particularly that match between Aldous and Murdoch, where Murdoch really showed that he can wrestle. Yeah, definitely, because uh, it seemed like we Aldous promo he was almost kind of trying to goad and try to annoy uh, Murdoch by saying, "No, he may not be ready yet." For a title shot, so this isn't going to be for the title. And then we've seen Murdoch kind of cheating a little bit, and he was he trying to prove to all this like, don't underestimate me. Like, I may not be in as good a shape as you, but I've got all this experience, even though I've been out of wrestling for a while. And all this even sent a tweet out saying this is for Harley Race because all this looked up to Harley Race as a former NWA champion, and Murdoch was trained by Harley Race. Yeah, all this he's mentioned the Harley Race quite a lot as his inspiration. He pretty much uh, he mentioned in one of his, some of his, one of his promos how much uh, the pitch, about him and Race both being pictured together holding their titles before Race sadly passed away. Mm. So, uh, but it's that's one of the examples of all this is fine uh, promo work. But I quite like how he's kind of openly said that this is just like a, it's he's he's making every match feel big, even if it's not for a title. Yeah. He's making sure he's giving guys an opportunity to step up against the champion to show why they belong as part of this new version of the NWA. Yeah, definitely at all. But uh, I mentioned in the last uh, show how I was a wee bit confused um, myself personally about Aldis's alignment, if he was a heel, if he was a face. I'm becoming a wee bit more confused still. Based a lot of um, the actions of his uh, of his of his right hand woman and Camille, yeah, uh, still not talking, but a lot of whispering going on. Yeah, because she came out and that episode she came out and whispered in a, a James Storm. I really thought like it was the end of the episode. I thought, is this going to be? It? I really thought this was going to be the time where we finally heard her speak. But I'm still I'm still saying like we got a couple of weeks still into the fire, Jill. I can still see her taking to the mic and finally speaking uh, then. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, I like how they're kind of they're, they're teasing aspects of kind of who, what's she going to, who is she with, what is, what's her, her um, allegiances. Uh, an interesting one was one uh, during a promo with, with Dave Marquez talking to the Wildcards mm. and he put the question to Bram, which yeah. is quite interesting in the fact that Bram is Camille's real life partner. Yeah. Because it was interesting, I didn't think this would be something that they would be playing off on. They'd make part of NWA like storylines because you had Eli Drake cutting a promo on all this, and he mentioned Camille, and then Bram comes out and gets all on his face, and like you wouldn't say why he was like why it bothered him. He just said just just mind your own business. Mm-hmm. So like you've got that intrigue about it. Yeah, do you think this is kind of part of the kind of had a few weeks ago we saw the wild cards teaming with uh, James Storm? James Storm was one the Another one who Camille interacted with 
towards the end of the show. You think this is kind of building on that whole alliance between those three that it wasn't just a one-off, there could be something happening between the three of them? I hope so, because otherwise it's just a case of he's a heel, you guys are heels, let's team together. Kind of thing that we see often in wrestling. So maybe there'll be something like because I don't know if we want a, I don't know if I want to get too ahead of myself, but it looks like it is going to be Storm versus all this at Into the Fire. So if there is going to be some alliance, and if Camille's like, we may find out there whose side Camille's kind of on. Yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting part of it because it has been confirmed it is going to be Nick Aldis versus James Storm in a best two out of three falls match mm-hmm. Into the Fire. So that uh, is interesting connotations on that. I mean. Aldous has been booked really strong uh, and he's run with NWA. I mean, I think other than the defeat to Cody, I can't mean the last time I've seen him drop a, drop a pin in the NWA. Yeah. I don't think he, he's really lost a lot of it, if at all, since regaining the title. And they said that that match with Cody was also a two or three falls match as a kind of an explanation as to why this was this had that stipulation. And I'm hoping this becomes kind of a regular thing with NWA and that kind of for them, major blow-offs happen as part of like, some sort of two out of three falls match because I remember NXT back in the day, like 2013-2014 time, for them the big end of a feud would be a two out of three falls match and I really enjoyed that because it's a case of we're going to have a gimmick match but we don't, we're don't, we not going to do one that's too over the top and like weapons based, it's one that's still all about the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh... A lot of people kind of ask for it, kind of they like they, they like to see kind of three stages of hell type idea, you know. Mm-hmm. We kind of had that with uh, Champ and Gar- was it Champ and Gargano had that at one point? Uh, no, Champ and Cole. Gargano and Cole, sorry, that was um, uh, so. But having it as a straight uh, pinfall submission match kind of plays into the way NWA are trying to present themselves as this is the we are all about wrestling. We try they're trying not to kind of stray into this kind of. Uh, brawling, no whole bard style. Apart from when we kind of see, like, uh, Eddie Kingston and Homicide, but that kind of fits their character more than anything. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like in AEW, you'll see more weapon-based stuff when it's somebody in a feud with a Darby Allen, a Jimmy Havoc, or John Moxley. Like, you won't see it all the time. You'll see it with the guys who is kind of more their specialty, and it makes sense storyline-wise for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Join Janelle is another name. It kind of throws yeah. into that mix for AEW, but I kind of get what you're going to mean on that. But um, we'll talk more in a. In a in our next episode, a few couple of weeks' time about this main event, but it's got interest that how they book it in the next coming weeks will be quite interesting in terms of that. Another um, for uh, rivalry of sorts that's taking quite a nice shape at the moment is the one in the in the women's division between uh, Alison Kay, Ashley Fox, Thunder Rosa, and Marty Bell all getting involved in this top uh, fight fight over the women's title with Vox taking the side of the of the women's champ Kay. Uh, we got a uh, our surprising uh, spanner thrown in the works of that in episode 7, where mm-hmm. we finally found out who the aforementioned Phoenix was that Thunder Rosa had mentioned in a promo the week before. Yeah, it was Melina, and I think I really remember ages ago hearing she had some involvement in the NWA. She I think in, must... She's in the opening package. Yeah. You see her face at the start of the opening package, but I've, never, I've not really seen much talk about her involvement. I've a lot of the names that have been on the shows the first six odd weeks, you you heard a lot about what they were doing in it, but she was never a name you really knew what her involvement was. Yeah, what I love about the, the NWO intro is like the intro package, usually depending on that particular episode or what the storyline is, the main people focus and who are featured whose names come up 
will occasionally change. Like at a start, you'll still have, you'll always have Aldous because he's a champion. He likes the storm and Drake popping up. Bearing in there, someone else will pop in. And remember the episode after Melina's debut, she's right there in the intro package, which mm-hmm. hopefully means that she'll play a big part in, in storylines going forward because she did make it do an interview on episode eight, which kind of hints at a future women's championship match between her and Alison Kay. It's um, it's a, it's a twist. I mean, the question is, it could be that she's going to have the match. The other option could be that she acts more as a managerial role, but given, it's hard to kind of tell, but she still looks like she's in pretty decent condition. She doesn't look like she's lost any of her like her ring, her in-ring shape from when I had the WWE. Yeah, because I mean, she has stepped away, but as far as back as a couple of years ago, she was still wrestling. She wrestled quite a bit for Southside. So it's not as if she's been away for too long. So and also she looks in great shape. We'll be able to tell better when she actually gets in the ring if she is gonna wrestle into the fire. But mm-hmm. it was I was before this interview, like with her in episode eight, I thought it was gonna be Thunder Rosa VK because uh, Rosa got the pin thanks to Malia's distraction and then she got a few shots in on K after the match. I thought that was and plus she's got all this attention on NW with the uh this documentary about her. Mm-hmm. So, but then Molina's promo heavily implied that it was going to be her. So, they could go down either direction with this. I think kind of, I kind of see Thunder Rosa taking on more of that kind of like uh, type of ha, ha, like similarly. I know it's it's hard to imagine, but similar to what kind of Jake Hager does in AEW mm-hmm. with uh, the Inner Circle. I know it's kind of completely different in terms of physiques and that type of stuff, but she kind of has that type of that. Uh, way about her, I think, Thunder Rosa. Possibly, because she doesn't talk a lot, but when she does talk, it's mostly in Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's a, a Latina group as well. We've not really seen many Latina groups in recent times in wrestling as well. Yeah, and none made as, as look as dominant usually as, as they have, because mm-hmm. like back in the day when you had groups like them, you'd have like the like, closest you get was the likes of the LWO and WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their whole thing was they weren't getting appreciated, you know. Yeah. But these 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 three do look really strong. And you mentioned uh, Into the Fire, which will be quite a big part of this show overall. The match that's apparently been announced for the women's division is a tag team match between Alison Kay and Ashley Vox taking on two of the three, Melina Rosa and Marty Bell. What's your thoughts yeah. on that? Because uh, I wasn't sure if we were going to see Melina in the ring for a while, but I think unless if you don't have Molina in the match, then you're basically doing a rematch of the match that she debuted, like to cause a distraction in, and we've already seen that. So I definitely think she'll be in it. I think if anything, it'll be Molina and maybe Marty Bell as the uh, as the kind of two to take to be in the match. Mm-hmm. I mean, on Marty Bell, do you think uh, Molina's emergence? It could go two ways for her, but uh, do you think there's a chance that Marty Bell could end up being lost in the shuffle a wee bit here? I think so, because I think the whole story was her being told she's not ready for a shot, which caused her to align with Thunder Rosa, and then those two were kind of a team, but now Molina's here, I think, with Rosa, I think it's slightly more interesting than Bell, and possibly Molina's got the name value, so I think Bell, depending on how they put this, could probably fade into the background and be kind of the third wheel, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... So- on a side note, since our last uh, recording event of uh, the Power Trip, uh, 
Marty Bell and our uh, dollhouse former stable mate, uh, Mia Yim, have had uh, contradicting uh, luck. Uh, Marty Bell has had a prominent TV time in a lot of ma- matches, and Mia Yim gets smacked in the face by a ladder. <laughs> and then taken out of war games. Yes, by that dastardly Dakota Kai. How dare she attack Lady Kane? <laughs> oh, don't remind me. Uh, no, I, I, I think this is a very pro Tegan Knox podcast here. Yes, very <laughs> much so. This particular one. Uh, also on that episode seven, we got uh, we talked about them briefly last week. Uh, we still kind of not had them actually wrestle yet, as we kind of alluded to. The Rock and Roll Express uh, calling out the wild cards. Yeah. Wanting their shot... Uh, I know there's a bit of nostalgia to the Rock and Roll Express in 2019, but Scott, I don't know about you, but I'm not particularly fond of the thought of these two guys past their prime, potentially being tag team champions. Yeah, and I don't say it's a bad promo, but it was kind of meh for me, their promo coming out. And yeah, they're more for NWA champions, but I don't see why they're getting a title shot randomly when the whole story for the titles has been uh, Dawson's and uh, Outlaw Inc. Mm-hmm. And then, it's, as many as their promos, bloody, uh, the wild cards, bloody Royce Isaacs is not the best on the mic. And then Bram so eloquently just going, Rock and Roll Express can kiss my ass. Bram's a man of few words, I think it's best to say. We noticed in his time here in Scotland with ICW, didn't really speak much. Had somebody do his speaking for him pretty much all the time. It worked, you know. He had the mouthpieces of James R. Kennedy and uh, Rudo. Yeah, but, and we realised just how well that worked out when he had to speak on his own. Yeah, I, 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 even when he was in Impact, he's, he wasn't exactly the... I mean, he's, he's a great physical powerhouse guy. He's a great uh, guy to have as like a, a henchman type idea. He's good, in, good as part of a stable. But mm-hmm. he's getting to be a bit more forefront of this kind of uh, pairing especially because Royce Isaacs to me especially and to many other people was quite unknown until the wild cards were in the Crockett Cup so a lot of, there is a lot on Thomas Latimer Bram and with the mic in his hand he's not quite got there yet no no he's not but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing though regardless of which team wins how this affects into the fire because we've got matches announced but there's four only four matches announced and Obviously, the regarding the NWA heavyweight title, that's been that's an important match because it's going to be the main event. But and we've got we know what Alison Case doing, but we need to see with two episodes left where Cabana is going and whoever the tie champs are, where they go uh, into the fire because you've only got four titles, so you think all the titles would be defended. Yeah, you would assume you'd assume so. There would be some sort of defending on it, but there is the question. Of uh, well, question that's uh, going to be a great theme coming in a wee bit, but there is uh, the tease of um, who is going to have this kind of shot at it. I mean, uh, have they announced what show that this that the Rock and Roll Express are going to get their shot? They said it's going to be on uh, episode nine, I think. So, two episodes to go before Into the Fire. So, and... next week's episode, then, yeah, okay, that's so that'll, that'll be quite interesting to kind of see uh, what happens with that. Uh, that particular aspect uh, but I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm not, I don't understand this whole thing with the Rock and Roll Express in 2019 I know Ricky Morton hit a Canadian Destroyer in Japan <laughs> earlier in the year but come on I mean as you mentioned the promo the Rock and Roll Express were all high energy they were all excitement when they were first about but 
now that they've aged a wee bit, the, the same excitement kind of drains a wee bit because I'm not quite there anymore. No, and I think it's maybe a case of their maybe different generation from when I was watching, so I don't really get their appeal. Maybe an older fan would would kind of have that nostalgia for them, but I just don't feel anything when I'm watching them. And like I'm fine to see them wrestle, I just don't want to see them as champions. Uh, it's, it's it's like in it's a similar to a lesser extent it's a similar thing like when WWE stick the title on Goldberg. Mm-hmm. It's like we love Goldberg at the time. We don't want, we we like the nostalgia feel him now when he comes back at all. I mean, uh, I I can't imagine Goldberg hitting a Canadian destroyer on Santana or Ortiz. <laughs> uh, that that would be actually amazing. That'd be well worth the money actually. But just uh, wait to he, just wait to him versus Riddle finally becomes a reality. That's what Goldberg's training for us. Oh yeah, that would be that, that's that's WrestleMania written all over it. But mm-hmm. uh, as soon as you get a title up, uh, put in there, it kind of you f- your excitement fades because you think, oh, they're actually going to build around these guys, you know? Yeah, but you know what? What we really should be talking about is the team that should be getting the tie title shot, and that is the team we all didn't know we wanted until we got it. The team oh. of Aaron Stevens and the question mark. Oh, we we talk about amazing reactions in wrestling. You got the likes of Cody in AEW. We've had the likes of in the last few years in WWE, Becky Lynch, Daniel Bryan. But with a crowd there of pretty much the size of an ICW Gary show, it feels like Question Mark is the most over man in wrestling. I don't know. It's he's the most over guy in the NWA, and he, he barely says anything. We don't know who he is. Like Jim Cornette, as much as. Obviously, what he said earlier, like, shouldn't not be like mentioned. He did make a good point about the question mark, saying he's the only guy making a name for himself without even having a name. Ah, uh, um, every t- the last couple of appearances, I've tried to try and get an idea of kind of who is behind the mask, and I really, really have not a clue who it might be. I kind of watching. Uh, what happened on the recent episode of uh, Dynamite? He looks like that guy. Is it? Was it? Had attacked Cody. Was it the butcher? Is it the butcher? No, you talking about that Wardlow guy? No, I'm not talking about Wardlow. I'm talking I about there's a guy. There's uh, no a guy recently. There's a guy recently debuted on uh, uh, on TV. Uh, he kind of looks a bit like her. I can't mind his name off the top of my head. Uh, not Wardlow, no, somebody else. But I may have spoiled Dynamite there for you, Scott. Sorry. <laughs> I think I've fallen behind a bit on Dynamite, so. Uh, but I can't picture quite who he is. Somebody put up a thing online where they put a picture of him and a picture of Stan Hansen, and he does all the <laughs> Stan Hansen stuff. Uh, I know it's definitely not Stan Hansen, but could you imagine oh. the pop if he takes his mask off and it is Stan Hansen? I know, that would, that would get a pop, but I have a feeling that we're going to spend all this time wondering who is he, and if he does eventually take the mask off, it'll be some guy who's probably worked a lot in the Indies, but no one's ever actually heard him until he became the uh, the question mark. He's going to be like the bane of the Indies. No one cared who he was until he put on the mask. I was going to say he's kind of like the Dark Order. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they do something, but they bring them out like, ah, oh, yeah. Uh, he's but, way more over than the Dark Order will ever be. <laughs> but no, you're, you're right about this pairing of him and Stevens. I mean, it shouldn't work, but there's, some, there's just something about it that just kind of just feels amazing, and you can't wait to see where it's going to go. Aye, like you got Stevens, like what the engineer great puts his hands out, everyone boos him. The question mark does the exact same thing. Everybody cheers. 
kind of like when Seamus and Cesaro became a team at first. Everybody booed Seamus, but then they cheered Cesaro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we, we we briefly touched on what happened on episode eight, which was mostly there was mostly in, uh, interviews, mostly kind of build towards uh, into the fire. There was only one match on that particular card, but it was a match and a segment involving the team of Question Mark and Arm Stevens and the Dawsons. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I quite like the fact that this showed off a different side of the Dawsons than what we've seen for the first seven episodes. Yeah, it was a bit of proper like character work from them. Mm-hmm. And this is an idea like the whole empty arena match where like it's something they should do a lot more like in the MWE because it feels like the kind of match that they would do. I think they did all that back in the day, even though I think for most fans when they think of an empty arena match they'll probably think of the one with the rock and mankind, but I also loved Stevens annoyance like he likes to perform and yet they've not given him an audience to perform in front of yeah it was it was very well told I mean the whole segment itself it's uh, they have the they have the the Dawson's reading out poetry for Shakespeare and mm. Stevens is so affronted that he throws up in a bucket <laughs> and we've learned that the, the question mark is from the deepest regions of Longrovia where he is he learned and mastered the art of karate. <laughs> Do you think that's uh, where uh, Tropical Pirates was filmed? Possibly. You think that's, that's maybe where their, um, their relationships came about from? It's like, oh, I remember seeing you when I was doing that film. <laughs> that we still do not have a copy of. Yet. I mean, that Mongrovian chop to the throat that the question mark does, the most protected finishing move in all of wrestling. Forget your Judas effects and all that crap. But uh, the Mongrovian chop, nobody kicks out of it. You can count to 100, as JBL would say. Uh, it's, it's, it's completely more damaging than the mandible claw from the fiend at this mm-hmm. particular moment. Uh, we talked, you talked there about how, how you thought these two should get a match for the title at Into the Fire. Question mark, in fact, we'll be facing Trevor Murdoch in what could be an interesting clash. Weirdly, one of the matches I'm most looking forward to on this show because I don't know what's going to happen and just that intrigue is I want to see how long this they can keep this thing with the question mark. Was it just that crowd that having to be at that table and just took to them? Or is this going to be a sustained thing where somehow the question mark gets like over than anybody else? Because it feels like with this alliance, if they can keep this going, it feels like Sandow, weirdly, he's in the position the Miz was in when Sandow was his stunt double. Yeah, the... Uh... The question mark is getting them all over, and mm-hmm. he's just he's just kind of the the, the veteran sort of. Uh, he's, he's, in the maybe, he's maybe playing this Hollywood A-lister who's starring in these B movies. Although in his case, like we don't know if Stevens ones even exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, at least with the Miz, he was on movies. Questionable yeah. how good the movies were, but that's not for us to judge. We're talking <laughs> about wrestling, not films. <laughs> um. So uh, there's another two matches that have been announced on this partic- these couple of uh, tapings of NWA Power. One of which, Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson. It's in... Uh, there you go. No, 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 no. It's kind of... It's an interesting clash of two guys, very vocal, not afraid to speak their mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, big question of... Uh, we've not really seen much of Anderson in a one-on-one capacity, how he could handle a guy, Drake, who's still... Up until last year, was wrestling regularly on Impact. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on this match? It's an interesting one because 
like these are two guys who probably deserve to be on the pay per view, and like it just you didn't know where they were going to be. But I think this is a good like position for them because they both are very similar in that they're not like they can play face even though they're not always like their typical likable face. They're they're not afraid to run their mouth and they are very similar in a lot of ways. And Drake cut a promo from the uh, like a clip from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood who does a lot of work with NWA. So mm-hmm. like and he he acknowledged the fact that they are quite similar and I can see this as a potential kind of big win for like a stopgap for one of these guys if whoever wins it to then go on a challenge for one of the two type main singles titles. You feel as though, based on the, the booking in the first few weeks, if it's going to be any of the two, I feel like it's going to be Drake. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say Drake. I don't want to like, just immediately say, oh, I think it's going to be Drake and just discount Anderson. I feel as with Ant- I feel, my feeling with Anderson is it's, uh, it's great that he's been there, mm-hmm. but of all the guys we kind of talked about, he's the guy that kind of feels like the afterthought from the men's side of things. Yeah, because he's, he's got brought in his like, cabana's pal. It's a, it's a friendship that you never thought you'd see, you know. <laughs> he, hey, Cabana was looking for a friend in the last couple of years, and he found Anderson. It just they just they, they just don't go. But he's got a no, friend it's, again. <laughs> it's an interesting one. And Cabana, he's going to be he's on the other match that's been announced. Although his opponent's not been announced now, Scott, do you think there could be a surprise of who he's facing, or do you think it's an obvious man and one man that you spoke to yourself pretty recently, and Ricky mm-hmm. Starks? Uh, I think, like, given that interaction they had a few weeks ago, uh, I think I don't think they would like tease this match and then just not do it and just randomly throw somebody else into that spot. So yeah, I think it's going to be probably Cabana versus Ricky Starks on into the fire. And even though Cabana's got the belt back, I don't think it would harm Ricky if he lost because like he's still got a long way to go. Like he's still fairly young mm-hmm. and like. He could probably tell a story with this loss and him trying to work his way back up. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you mentioned uh, what happened with the two of them and it was episode seven. I It wasn't a bit of book that I particularly liked that one, actually, to be fair, with uh, Cabana and Starks. I really felt like the week before when they had the interaction with uh, around about Dave Marquez, I thought it was could be booked for a decent angle. And then a week later, they feel like an afterthought to the question mark. Yeah, because... Starks was thinking the question mark and Starks I think is maybe the face but everybody's booing him whenever he's on offense because they love the question mark and then Cabana's on commentary and he helps Starks from a 2-1 beatdown but he lets Starks take two of the Mongrovian jobs to the throat right before he decides to help him like oh well might as well because at first I thought they were going to tell the story of Cabana not helping Starks because Starks is a potential challenger and then he just got up and did it anyway yeah, um, it, the, that didn't really suit Cabana either. I don't think mm-hmm. Cabana's never. You talk about uh, career faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colt Cabana's one guy who screams a career face. So having him do something that feels a bit iffy. You could see yeah. it with Ricky. You could see it with Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks has got that cheeky nature too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the rules were just all wrong in this particular bit of booking, as you said. Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting to kind of see how. Ricky Starks does if he is put in that match. Uh, as we, as I mentioned briefly at the start of that bit there, Scott did interview Ricky Starks mm-hmm. on a recent on our main flagship. You can find on any good podcasting sites. Uh, Scott, for anybody who's not yet listened to that, uh, how was Ricky, and what did you feeling did you get from him in that interview? 
I really enjoyed uh, Tom Turkey. He seems like a, a very goal-oriented guy, guy who knows what he wants to do in his career. And he's, uh, we talked a lot about like the NWA and then it's like, judging from the way he talks, he seems very comfortable in NWA right now. And hopefully this is a sign that he will be like, hopefully a champion, NWA champion possibly in the future. Yeah, uh, from listening to it, I quite liked it. He seemed to be a guy who wasn't really settling for second best or anything. He seemed to be quite keen to go to the very top. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just happy to be here. It's like, no, I want to go there. Yeah, because he had a few like tries with WWE and he thought, okay, I'm not just going to wait around, hope they give me a shot. I'm just going to go away, work on myself, and if maybe if there's an option in the future, I'll go to WWE. But for now, he's happy to explore other options like, like a lot of people in wrestling right now. I mean, given how NWA started in the first eight weeks, I mean, they're, they're against the likes of WWE and AEW, not directly against, but they're the other shows going along. Do you think how NWA's done so far that they are an attractive option for any wrestler, young or old, to come and do something different with their career? Definitely, because uh, Ricky said in the, the show that he can work elsewhere. But they have to go through the NWA, and they were even advertising like NWA stars appearing at other places on one of the episodes. And they said, if you like to book NWA talent, like, so I think NWA like are very well open to working with other places, unlike like certain versions who who like for their talent to be very exclusive. Or I think mm-hmm. NWA, given their nature of like how back in the day the champion would go to the various territories, like they're more open to working with other places. And let them use their talent as long as like they can reach a suitable agreement. Sounds a bit like uh, what WWE does with NXT UK, I think. In a way, yeah, yeah, because uh, they can work around a certain schedule with the tapings, and then as long as there's an agreement, you can work wherever you want in the meantime. Yeah, it's like you. I don't. We don't mind you working outside of us, but you need to agree with us where you go to, mm. and uh, what type, what, what you're, what you're essentially doing there. I think that's what NW we'll probably see similarly with NWA, especially yeah. with the guys there, the likes of um, Stark said he can go elsewhere. Colt Cabana's in Japan mm-hmm. at the moment, so it's interesting uh, where we might see some of these guys pop up every now and again. Yeah, definitely. And Starks has done occasional appearances in the UK. He did some stuff for Progress very briefly. You know, I'd, always, I'd love to see Starks if he got a chance to come to Scotland. Oh, yeah, it'd be very interesting. It'd be a great match for some. The likes of like maybe like a, a late and buzzard type idea. Yeah, definitely. Like him on a Gonzo show would be a perfect fit. Oh, I think so, absolutely. I mean, we'd love to see it. And if it did happen, we would not complain. But you know, uh-huh. it, it's not an easy thing to book guys from the states these days. So, uh-huh. but we're optimistic here. We're optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to close out this week's show, we're going to debut. I'm going to debut a new segment here. It's one that I like to call "Out of the Frying Pan." And into the fire. <laughs> uh, pretty much has given what we thought was our hot segment of the fortnight. Uh, Scott, what was your top segment from seven and eight? My top segment was the empty arena. To give it full title, empty arena mask versus Shakespeare match between <laughs> I can't remember which Dawson. They both seem the same. The same versus a question mark. A very brief, but entertaining match. The uh, with the, every time that. Aaron Stevens just says karate. The question mark interrupts and says karate. <laughs> it's just that he pronounces it right. And then the Dawsons, as if they've never read a piece of paper in their life or never read a book, 
having to recite Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, my particular moment, I would I would go for the debut of Molina. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very well done. It's the most casual uh, return you'll ever see in your life. How she just strolled down through the crowd at the audience with barely a reaction until like she gets to the bottom step and one guy notices her. Mm-hmm. It's like. Malina. Yeah, because it's not a particularly big venue and everybody's got their eye on the uh, on the ring. So, like, like you said, that one guy does a kind of a double take and then as soon as she walks around, that's when people start like looking towards like, wait, who's that? Because like, it's a kind of a, there's not a lot of light from where she's coming from and she's dressed in all black. Yeah, but no, the, uh, the, the rise of the Phoenix and the Phoenix being Melina, I thought was perfect and I'm quite curious as we smoke earlier to see where she goes in NWA. And for that, we are going to wrap up our second Power Trip show here, reviewing NWA Power. If you enjoyed this show, obviously we've got so much more content on Patreon as well as on our flagship uh, feeds, which is available on all good podcasting sites. And if you are, say, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, please let us know on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. We accept any feedback as long as it's good. <laughs> no, we just no, we, we we accept all feedback. So please let us know if you what you think of the shows, and we'll take all your feedback to heart. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks here on the Power Trip, but we will be reviewing episodes nine and ten, as well as giving a preview to Into the Fire, which I believe is going to be the weekend after our next show. So we're going to have a, mm, a full December. card by that particular point. Yeah, because the final pieces should kind of like come together, and I'm glad that they made some of the like main announcements two week with two episodes to go because hopefully these last two episodes will see a lot of like storyline, a lot of focus build towards into the fire because we've not got a show to build to. Like storylines can be like all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. But it'll be interesting to see how we find out and we'll be talking about that on our next show. But until then, I'm Steve Wilson and as always I'd like to thank Scott McLeod. Thank you very much. And this has been the Power Trip. We'll see you next time.